Welcome to the Broker Success Hub podcast, a real estate education resource where we give you all the info you need to pass the exam and then move into a successful career as a real estate broker. Now, here is your host, the entertaining and informative Seth Chauncey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Brokers Success Hub podcast. My name is Seth Chauncey, and I am going to be your host. If you are joining us today, it is because you are looking to get all the tips and tricks and knowledge you need to pass your broker licensing exam, or maybe you're hanging out with us to figure out how to get started to have a successful career in real estate. Either way, we are happy to have you. Now, you are currently listening to episode one of the Broker Success Hub podcast, which will kick off our series. Season one will focus heavily on the licensing exam, and so we will actually be taking some adapted lectures, moving them into a podcast format so you can listen on the go, and then as the seasons go on, we will add more and more tips and tricks for you to be a successful broker, best practices, lead generation, and everything in between. Thanks so much for joining us. Let's get started. Here's a detailed discussion on estates adapted from a live pre-licensing course. Enjoy. I mean, it's, it's very testable, but it's not like a crazy amount of questions in any way, shape, or form. Okay. And so this is where we get into estates and interest and ownership and, you know, things of that nature. And so the interesting thing about this section is you've probably never heard, if you've never taken this class before, you've never heard any of the terminology I'm about to throw at you. None of it. Probably not. And that's what makes this the most confusing. But the good thing about this is once you start to grasp it, it's very straightforward. It just takes a minute to grasp it. So buckle up, buttercups, because I'm going to do my best to make this as painless as possible. But it's still going to hurt some of your feelings. And I'm sorry, okay? It's just something we got to get through. So let's start with, before we even get into, you know, the different, um, (laughs) painful, um, (laughs) pain-free, painless as possible. Before we even get into hybrid ownership, concurrent ownership, let's just really talk about the word estate. You've heard that word before, an estate sale or something like that, real estate, you've heard the term. And so for the sake of this class, you need to think of the word estate as interest. Interest, okay? What level of legal interest do you have in a property? When we say your estate uh, or an estate, that is what level of legal interest. Now, when I say interest, I don't mean, dang, girl, that's a thick property and I'd like to buy it a drink. That's not what I mean, okay? I mean what kind of legal relationship you have with a piece of property, Can we all agree that if you own a property, you have some type of relationship to that property? Well, can we all agree that if you're currently renting a property, you have some type of legal relationship to that property? And so both an owner and a tenant have an estate in real property. Now, of course, they're not the same, but they do both have estates. So all that word estate means is what level of interest or what's your legal relationship to a piece of property. And so we've got to break this into two categories, as I just did, estates of ownership and estates of lease or not of ownership. And so we call those, well, let me go back for a second. Some of you are still looking at this slide. 
Like, let me pause for dramatic effect just a little bit longer. I'm just going to stare at you. We call those, and I'll just pause. We call those. Freehold estates and non-freehold estates, okay? Freehold are estates of ownership. Non-freehold are also called leasehold. So they are not estates of ownership, but you do have a legal interest. Remember what I told you. When we deal with the bundle of legal rights, deep sea, disposition, exclusion, enjoyment, possession, and control... What happens when you are renting a property is you have purchased, albeit temporarily, the right of possession and the right of exclusion from the owner. And so you do have a legal interest, a possessory interest, a leasehold interest. So freehold is an estate of ownership. Non-freehold, also called leasehold, are not estates of ownership. They're estates of lease relationship. So... One of the biggest things, and we're going to start um, with freehold, okay? We're going to start with freehold, but one of the biggest things to understand of freehold estates, they're all estates of ownership. It's in the name. Freehold is an estate of ownership. Everybody okay with that? If you own your house, you have some type of freehold estate. And so when I start giving you all the different types of freehold estates, don't overthink it. They all are ownership in some way, shape, or form. But one of the most interesting things that differentiate the different types of freehold estates that you probably never heard of are whether or not it's inheritable. What does that mean, inheritable? Like it's passed on to like next of kin after somebody dies? There you go. That's, that's exactly it. Inheritable means you can leave it to somebody else when you die. Not all ownership can be left to somebody when you die. As weird as that sounds to you right now, I'm going to make it make sense. Not all ownership can be left to somebody when you die. Still ownership. Don't get it twisted. But it just can't be left to somebody. So even though you own it, sometimes you can leave it to somebody when you die and sometimes you can't. And so we call those the states of inheritance versus not of inheritance. Now, if you look at the word fee and non-fee, uh, what they're basically breaking those down into is um, states of inheritance and not of inheritance. I don't think it's really important to know that, and I'll tell you why. Um, you're not going to see the word non-fee in any of the non-inheritable ones. It's not going to call it that. You can know this, but I'm just telling you what's going to be more important is what I'm getting into. So fee does mean in a state of inheritance can always be, if it's some type of fee ownership, and this will make more sense in a moment, it can always be uh, willed or inherited, okay, left to somebody. If it is non-fee, anything that doesn't have the word fee in front of it, it does not automatically mean it, but it doesn't mean that it's not either. So that's why I don't necessarily like these verbiages. Just because it doesn't have the word fee in front of it does not mean that it can or can't. But if it does have the word fee in front of it, it always can be inherited, which is confusing. But I get it. So let me just give you the chart and the visual just to introduce this, okay? When you're looking at these estates, we've already told you we're dividing them into... Two different categories. Freehold, which is in a state of ownership, 
and non-freehold, also called leasehold, which is an estate of lease. Big difference. So we're going to talk about the leasehold later, and we're going to focus on the freehold now. Now, here's the thing. There are a lot of slides I'm going to show you in regard to this. And of course, we're going to talk about deeds in great detail in this section as well. And so let's just take this step by step looking at this chart right here. Starting on the freehold side, you can see that we've divided it into two on these estates of ownership. What we call fee simple and what we call life estates. Now, when we're dealing with freehold estates, estates of ownership, sometimes there are no limitations on them. Sometimes we have limited your use and sometimes we have limited the time. And that's going to be the biggest factors that differentiate these. So hang tight and that'll make more sense. If I say fee simple, on the test, you can use these two. Let me show you this. These two will show up interchangeably. Fee simple and fee simple absolute. Ironically enough, they will. if you just see the word fee simple, what they mean is fee simple absolute. So let me just talk about fee simple absolute for a second. If you own a house today and you look at your deed, it will say that you own the house fee simple. It will. 99.9% .9 of people own their property as fee simple. Well, I told you, fee means always inheritable. You can will it. But fee simple absolute is what we in the real estate class like to say, highest and best form of ownership. No limitations on your use, no limitations on how long you own it. And so let me give you an example. If you own your house right now, how long do you own it for? Until you die or sell it. Yeah. Well, and when are you going to die? Hopefully soon. <laughs> April, get, just go. Just go. Just go. <laughs> Can't with you. Um, who knows, right? Nobody knows. Get out of here. Nobody knows how long you own it for, okay? You could sell it tomorrow. You could own it for the next 90 years. You could die and fight. Who knows? But there's nothing stopping you from continuing to own it. That's fee simple absolute. So there's no limitations on time. You can own it for as long as you want to own it for. So that's what I mean by no limitations. Well, we also say no limitations on use. Now, here's the confusing piece about this. When I say no limitations on use, I, here's the best way to think about this. There is no limitations on use that would stop you from owning the property. I'm going to say that again. There is no limitations on use that would stop you from owning the property. That's kind of the important thing to understand. Because even though you own a property right now, fee simple, absolute, let me circle back around. Could you bulldoze your house and build a restaurant where it's sitting in your neighborhood? Why not? Zoning. 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 So, of course, there's restrictions. Please don't misunderstand. There may be restrictions on fee simple absolute, but those restrictions are not preventing you from owning it. The reason why that's so important is because there are some types of ownership where the restrictions are so powerful that if you don't follow the rules, you don't own it anymore. If you try to build a restaurant on your land 
the government's just going to come and fine you. They're going to charge you. They may arrest you. But they're not going to take your land outright. You see how that works? If you've got restrictive covenants that say you can't have chickens, can we all agree that's a restriction, isn't it? So once again, I'm not saying no restrictions at all. But folks, if your HOA finds out you have a chicken, does the HOA automatically own your property? No. What are they going to do? They're going to issue a fine, right? So don't get so caught up on this no restrictions. Let me tell you why this is so important now. This one right here, fee simple defeasible. What does that word defeasible sound like to you? Sounds like you can remove it or? Sounds like defeated. Sounds like defeated. The root word to defeat, defeat, defeasible. Folks, fee simple defeasible is in a state of ownership. But it is a very unique type of estate where you could, you ready for this, defeat your own ownership. There are rules. And if you don't follow the rules, you don't own it anymore. Let that sink in for a second. It is so powerful that if you don't follow the rules, you don't own it anymore. You could defeat your own ownership. This is where a lot of people get confused because if you don't follow restrictive covenants, you're not going to defeat your own ownership. You're just going to get fines or end up in court. But this is a restriction so powerful that you don't own it anymore. Now, here's the thing. We have a lot of terms in this class that mean the exact same thing. There's one for this one, and you have to know it. I promise you're going to see it on the test. It is also called qualified fee. Okay? Fee simple, defeasible, and qualified fee are the same. And qualified, think about it, it means the same thing. You have to qualify for your ownership. Or you, in other words, you could defeat your ownership. You see how that works? The root words help you understand how these work. So when I say fee simple or fee simple absolute on the test, highest and best form of ownership. You may have restrictive covenants, but there's nothing that's going to prevent you from continuing to own it. There is no amount of time on fee simple absolute, and there is nothing that's going to prevent you from owning it in fee simple absolute. Now, if we say fee simple to feasible, what is being limited is your use, what you can do with the property. Now, before I say anything else about this, I need you to understand something. And I, I kind of told you this in the financing chapter. Just because it doesn't make sense to you doesn't mean it doesn't make sense. There are reasons that people set up ownership this way. Let's just break down these fee simple to feasible, okay? And I'm going to give you some examples. There are two types that you got to keep straight in your head. And what the problem is, some of them sound similar. Defeasible, also called qualified fee, is the broad category. But there are two within that. Fee simple determinable and fee simple subject to a condition. More legally appropriately referred to as fee simple subject to a condition subsequent. It is a mouthful. Fee simple subject to a condition subsequent. But let me dumb it down for you and make it oh so easy. In fee simple determinable, we have determined one allowable use for the property.
Kylie, I'm giving you this horse farm so long as you only ever use it as a horse farm. Kylie owns it as fee simple determinable. I told her the one allowable use. Now, let me explain. If I did, because this involves deeds, right? This is where you would outline all this information is on the deed. So when I take my horse farm and I deed it over to Kylie, I would say, Kylie now owns this horse farm. Fee simple, determinable under the condition that she only ever uses it as a horse farm. It would say that right on the deed. And so if Kylie stops using it as a horse farm, I automatically own the property again. She has defeated her ownership. In fee simple determinable, if you stop the one allowable use, it's said to automatically refer, revert, revert back to the grantor. The grantor is the person who gave it to her. I gave Kylie the horse farm. I'm the grantor. She's a grantee. If she stops doing the one thing I told her she had to do, it automatically is my property again. She has defeated her ownership. Fee simple subject to a condition subsequent says do whatever you want except this one thing. So do whatever you want so long as you never use it for selling alcohol. As long as if you use it as a horse farm, you're fine. If you use it as a church, you're fine. If you use it as a park, you're fine. Do whatever you want with it. But the second you open a bar that sells alcohol, you're now breaking the rules. The interesting differentiation, though, is in fee simple subject to a condition subsequent, you have to go to court to regain ownership. It's not automatic. But it is written in a way that if April, I gave you a property and said, so long as you never sell alcohol and I find out you're selling alcohol, I can go to court. And it's not just me forcing you to follow the rules. It's me telling the judge to give me the ownership back and I would win and I would get it back. A deed restriction, we could go to court and force you to follow the rules, but we're not taking the property back. Thanks for listening in to the Broker Success Hub podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. We'll see you next time.